Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Monday, June 15th, 2020. I'm one of your hosts, Blessing Adiolia Jr. Joining me is Tim Ma Fucking Gettys. It's a big day, Bless. It's such a big day. I can't wear a hat. Whoa. Oh, you gotta, gotta take let, off, you gotta let the big hair out, baby. It's it's that oh my type god. Of day. We're feeling good. We but we had the best pre-show we've ever had going into this. Me, you, and it's Kev one of those ones where I I wish we recorded it. I wish we recorded it because legit, like one of the funniest things. We're gonna to, uh, we'll share we some discover. of the moments with them coming up. It's gonna be yes. fun. Dude, let's get into the show because we got some things to talk about. Of course, today's stories include WB games being up for sale, the final clarification on smart delivery, and more because this is kind of funny games daily each and every weekday at 10 a.m. live right here on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. If you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, roosteeth.com, or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for Kind of Funny Games daily. To be a part of the show, head to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames or bronze members or above get to write in and silver members or above get the show ad free with the exclusive daily post show. Housekeeping, thank you to everyone who, sh- who watched uh, the Gorilla Collective this weekend. We teamed up with Media Indie Exchange to showcase nearly 90 games and y'all came out to support. So thank you guys again. It was of course, awesome. Yeah, dude. Like I, wa- I I tuned in for day one and day two, and I couldn't tune in for day three because day three is literally it's literally happening as it's we literally speak. happening. Day three is like a deeper yeah. dive into demos and like it's like a live stream of them actually playing the games and talking to the devs and stuff. So yeah, you can go check that out if you want. But yeah, of course, I believe no, there's, there's, stay with there's us. are there and this might be a great question, but are there vods available for day one and day two? Because like I'm sure people want to go go check those I'm sure out. On Twitch. I'm sure- I'm sure they're available on Twitch. Oh, right? yeah. I'm sure they're Twitch bots for sure. I'm sure people will also co-stream, and so maybe you can find those also. But highly, highly, highly recommend you check out uh, Gorilla, Gorilla Collective because there are some great, great games that were showcased. And we'll get to those later, actually, because there are some questions written about those. Um, mm-hmm. But also for housekeeping, the finale to Nick's playthrough of The Last of Us is up right now on YouTube.com slash games. And I know that's been a struggle to, to get uploaded, but I believe everything is good now, as far as I'm it's aware, good. as far as I know. The entire game, from beginning to end, is online in two parts on YouTube.com slash games. Thank you all for your patience. Uh, definitely one of the most frustrating editing projects I've ever had to have anything to do with. Um, but it's up. It's live. People are enjoying it. Um, and they hate the way Nick plays. So, hey, there you go. Hey, There's no way. There you go. <laughs> There you go. Also up on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games is our core games Let's Play, where we reveal the winners of the Kind of Funny Game Jam. We've been talking about it for weeks now. Of course, the core game stream got uh, delayed because things going on in the world, uh, but it finally happened and the winners are revealed. So go check that out again on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games. Uh, we have cool friends today is Elizabeth Tolick. Uh, that's Lois from Superman and Lois on the CW. Of course, Greg is going to be interviewing her. That's happening right after this on Twitch and later on YouTube.com slash kind of funny. Uh, and that was, that was actually one of the things so, that, that we brought up. That was the thing. Before the show went live, we wanted to make sure that we were pronouncing her name right. So we were Googling like how to pronounce her name. Her name is uh, Elizabeth Bitsy is what she goes by, Tulloch. And we I found an interview um, that said that. So I was like, Bless, that's how we say yeah. it. Bless just YouTube how to pronounce Elizabeth Tulloch, put it in yeah. there. And this is the video we found. Oh, can you hear it? No, because we can't hear it. Uh, you won't be able to hear it. So, oh, damn. I, mean, I can okay. uh, if you give me a second, I can switch it over. 
It's just one of yeah. those things. Yeah, switch it over. Switch it over. We need we need this back in our lives. Yeah, because one of the funniest things I think I've ever heard. And it's one of those things where like. Like, everybody's been in that situation where they don't know how to pronounce the word. I, I've been in that situation plenty of times. As people who listen right. to these podcasts probably know. And so, like, I, you know, you do the thing where you look up how to pronounce a word on, on YouTube or on Google. And this is the video that popped up. Is it ready now, Kevin? Yeah. Bite-side to loach. Bite-side to loach. And, like, I was not expecting uh, that at all. Click on the peanut butter. How do you say peanut butter? Peanut booty. Peanut booty. As soon as I clicked it, I was like, why does it sound like Nick Scarpino specifically is playing a trick on me? Like, that sounds like a Nick Scarpino joke. Chayu, Chayu, Oh, Lord. We can give this guy a shout out. Yeah, what channel? Which I, I clicked the crippling depression one. That one also killed me. Um, oh man, dude, that was uh, that yeah. was insane. Well, you guys can't see it for whatever reason, but it's run for the cube. Run, run for the, the cube. cube. Run for the cube. God, I needed. I really needed that laugh this morning because I was not expecting that. I, I was legit thinking I was. I was gonna learn how to pronounce Tulik, and I clicked that, and I got too loud. <laughs> the funniest thing I ever heard in my life. Oh, All right, man. let's talk about some video games. Let's talk about some video games. Of course, still in housekeeping, though. EA Play uh, is happening Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific time, and we'll be reacting to it live right here on Twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. Uh, that'll, that'll also be up on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games, so uh, stay tuned for that. Thank you to our Patreon producers, Mohammed Mohammed, Connor Nolan, and Blackjack. Today, we're brought to you by Patreon.com slash Kind of Funny Games, but I'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. It's time for some news. We have four stories today. A baker's dozen. Starting with our number one, WB Games is up for sale, reportedly. Reportedly up for sale. This is one that, that was breaking basically as we were ending Kind of Funny Games Daily last uh, Friday, and so we didn't get to cover it on the show. Um, but it's huge news. This is Rebecca Valentine at gamesindustry.biz. AT&T is reportedly in talks to sell gaming division Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment in a deal that may be worth around $4 billion. According to CNBC, is it really? Yeah. That's like four times uh, Beats by Dre, which is wild. Yeah. That's how I, that's how I measure exactly. Every, you have to by Dre. Measurements by Dre. <laughs> measurements by Dre. According to CNBC, potential buyers include Take-Two Interactive, Electronic Arts, and Activision Blizzard, though nothing is, has yet been confirmed. WBIE currently owns a number of studios, including TT Games, Rocksteady Studios, NetherRealm Studios, Monolith Productions, Avalanche Software, and WB Games Boston, Montreal, New York, San Diego, and San Francisco, as well as Port Key Games publishing label for games set in the Harry Potter universe. It also acquired mobile games communication platform PlexChat in 2018. The division's output includes franchises such as Middle Earth, Mortal Kombat, and Scribblenaut series, as well as gaming properties that would presumably remain in WB's possession in the event of a sale such as Batman Arkham, Lego games connected to the Lego movie, and Harry Potter. It also partnered with IO Interactive last year for an unspecified multi-IP deal, though it does not appear to be publishing IO's Hitman 3, which was announced yesterday. And this is, of course, Thursday, as of the time this was written. Yeah. at Acquired WBIE parent, uh, parent Time Warner in 2018. Tim, this is huge news. 
not not necessarily when you read it verbatim because this sounds very very newsy but when you zoom out from it like this is big like this is huge yeah Yeah. no totally i mean like that's the thing is when warner brothers you immediately kind of jump to like oh the batman games right that alone would be a huge deal right when you add on the fact that this also includes nether realm this also includes all the lego games this also includes like the list just keeps going on of these like mega hit titles high selling titles like this there is a value here for sure probably to the tune of four billion dollars um the big question is where does this end up it it doesn't shock me that warner brothers would try to make this move they've been kind of trying to hone in in the last couple years on kind of the more um hollywood side of media as opposed to to Mm -hmm. video games just in the sense of all the different um connections they've made all the different type of like trying to like get everything down with hbo max coming out of combining different things and like their partnership or not partnership but combining with at&t uh warner media has become this giant conglomerate and i can understand them now kind of you know a couple years out from that in 2018 being like okay where's our money best spent where are we making the most money and i can imagine them being like Mm -hmm. well video games are there's a lot of people we have to keep on on staff why don't we just get rid of that license out the licenses we have like Batman and just print money? Yeah. I think that's the big question for me is if they sell Rocksteady, if they sell WB, WB games, right. Who is about to announce a Batman game as we understand it. Like what happens to those games? Do we not mm-hmm. get a Batman game anymore? Do we not get that, that lead Harry Potter game that was leaked a couple, a couple years ago? What happens to what happens to Mortal Kombat and Netherrealm? Uh, which in that case, I assume Netherrealm would keep the the Mortal Kombat IP, but that does then leave questions for injustice. Like Netherrealm, they own Mortal Kombat, so Warner yes. Brothers owns it. If they sold, then yes, Mortal Kombat would go along with it. But, um, yeah, Batman and all that wouldn't go along with it unless that was part of the deal. Which I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. It, but it wouldn't be like forever. It would just be like I think it was Batman forever. But it would have been a for. The next like thing, thing. the things that they've been working on, where it's like, okay, cool, projects that have been worked on prior to X date or whatever, um, you'll still be able to make. But even that, I don't think necessarily is 100% the case. Like, they could just be like, no, we're selling it without this stuff. I just don't think yeah. that it would behoove them to do that. Um, because at this point, if they own the rights, they can just license it and they kind of would make the call on what the pricing is there. And then they would just make money from it. <laughs> yeah. And th- I mean, that's the thing that. Like if they if they let's say they were to sell Rocksteady to EA, I would expect them to want to license that out, like license out the Batman property to them to make that game because that would make the most sense. I think for all sides involved, right? Like EA would love to have a Batman game, I imagine. Uh, Rocksteady would probably want to work. Well, maybe Rocksteady is a weird example because we don't know if their next game is Batman. In fact, their next game is probably not Batman. But say their next game was Batman, right? Like that would make sense for them to want to keep that IP they were working on. Or let's just like even point to the WB uh, WB Game Studios working on the Batman game coming up that we know that we know is happening, right? Like you probably want them to hold on to that IP because that's something they're already working on. That's something that is going to make money. That is something that people want. Um, and that's it's something that it, that's, yeah. that's the thing that I think is most important is that you know. Um, at the end of the, the day, the bottom line is the dollars, and they're going to look at it, and wherever gets them the most money is where they're going to want to go. Um, WB would already know that these Batman games are successes that are going to make them money. Don't break or don't fix what's not broken. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, the, the it's already it's already working. So it's like let's keep Rocksteady working on whatever it is they are, which is probably some DC relevant thing. Um, and then Montreal working on Batman, it's like that would make sense for them to continue that to keep it going. My bigger question is who 
who's going to swoop in? Because That's a big question. Because you look at it and you're just like, okay, they're, they're, I feel like a lot of this is conjecture right now of the, according to them, the potential buyers, it's like, okay, cool. That you just listed like the biggest guys that are third party, right? So take two electronic arts and Activision, like Yubi's the only one not there. Um, yeah. Electronic arts, I feel like would be worst case situation. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Like I don't, and this isn't like any shade toward, yeah, because there are great EA games that have come out over the last few years, right? Like, especially mm-hmm. from Respawn. Like, Respawn is a studio that's under EA that has uh, has enough autonomy to where they're able to make great games that aren't necessarily affected by the bigger guys. Yeah. If I if I saw the news that Rocksteady was bought by EA, I would have those goosebumps, like the bad goosebumps of being like, mm-hmm. "Ooh, I don't know how I feel about this." Like, you know, like I it it, it could happen and it could work, and Rocksteady could maybe have that autonomy under EA, but. You know, like that's not necessarily best case scenario. I think for optically, when we look at when we look at that. Now, I will say though, to be positive about EA potentially, EA does have a lot of money, and I think the one thing that they're kind of lacking right now is a focus across their studios in a way that they can present their library at, say, like a press conference in a in the way that excites us and gets us, you know, kind of caught off guard. Like it's been a very long time since we've watched an EA press conference that we were stoked about usually it's like a lot of mobile games we get the sports games then there'll yep. be like the surprise like okay fall in order like, here's was, the was awesome um here's the anthem here's the you know like the bigger titles that we're looking forward to battlefronts or whatever um and then there's like the surprise one like like uh unraveled right like yeah, or, or a like way out yeah EA, ea originals yeah like a way out was uh definitely uh a big surprise and a cool different type of project that we wouldn't expect from ea but it'd be pretty exciting to be like, okay, cool. We know we're going to get like these type of Star Wars games. We know Respawn's going to do their stuff. Oh, they also have Rocksteady. They all like to know that that's also where we're going to see more yeah. combat debuts and see like have it all housed. Honestly, in one thing. that would be pretty cool for EA. That would be awesome, right? To have that expanded portfolio. And honestly, for for EA, I think that would then be the start of them making the, them going down that road towards redemption which i feel like i'm I'm making it sound dire than it is because i don't think ea is like the worst company in the world or anything like that um but i think there's just like a certain perception of ea and like they've not necessarily done themselves favor uh favors in remedying that perception them buying let's say rocksteady and netherrealm like that does that does so much for their portfolio because then you have those studios then you have respawn then you have um bioware like let's say if bioware is able to make a comeback with dragon with dragon age 4 right like then you 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 then start to to redeem yourself in a way where EA isn't looked at uh, the way that we kind of look at EA now as the sports studio and the mobile game studio and the studio that uh, that put out Anthem and like turned mm-hmm. Bioware into something that we didn't that we don't love as much. Um, and so yeah, on their side, I think that would be a great move for that. I think Activision would be an interesting one too. Like that's one that if 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 activision bought netherrealm and um and rocksteady and let's say wb games montreal like that makes sense i guess like yeah. that probably that probably be the least exciting one like the least like, worthy one i think both take two and activision are pretty tied in my mind of like i don't think much would would change and in and, and good or bad ways we just kind of be like all right cool that would happen you know there would be some shifts here and there but especially if activision i guess activision could you know leverage the the audience and kind of marketing that it already has for things like the lego games um but i don't think that they necessarily need all those yeah. those other ones but Some you know take two, uh yeah exactly um take two though having you know as 
Take two is the weird one where they have so many heavy hitters, like, but no one talks about take two, right? It's like mm-hmm. we talk about Activision, we talk about EA. Take two is just something that like casually comes up, but we're t- we talk about Rockstar, right? You know, we talk yeah. about 2K, like we like talk about, about the studios more, more than we talk about take two in a way that I feel is unique to them, right? Yeah, like take two, I almost put in a similar bracket as WB in terms of publisher, where we don't necessarily pay attention to, to WB as a publisher, but when you think about it, WB has published a lot of great games, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, in of, of varying scales and very varying qualities because they did Mad Max. They also did Shadow of Mordor. They also yep. do, do Mortal Kombat and Injustice and these different games that a lot, a lot of them have to do with their licenses, which are amazing licenses. But yeah, like as a publisher, two, uh, Take-Two and WB, I, th- I think, are the two that we don't necessarily acknowledge as much as publishers, which I think might actually be a good thing in some regards, because they don't then have the EA problem of everybody seeing an EA game going like, "Oh no, not an EA game," yeah. or like even Activ- like Activision. I think has a similar thing of we see yeah. Activision on the box and we're like, oh, "Okay, cool." Like Activision, the Call of Duty guys, like whatever. We don't really have that with Take Two, which I think is probably a good thing. That is a good thing. I I think I would say WB Games is more similar to Square or like UB. Interesting as a entity than it is to take two take two just seems so above all of this stuff like mm-hmm. when you look at the breadth in the library of content that they have underneath them uh, but like i said if, if they were to to get involved in this it's like i don't think that that necessarily is a bad thing um if at the end of the day we need people with money that care about these properties for these games to have a chance at being good and if wb isn't interested in in heading up games they're not the place as evidenced by the last couple years of us not seeing a rock study game and who knows what the hell's going on with this Batman game. Yeah. Do you, do you think first parties are looking at, at, at this? Like, do you 100%. think there's a chance that Sony swoops in and gets rock steady? I think that, I think there is the slimmest chance possible, but yeah, of course, why would they not look at this man? Like, I really think that if anything, Xbox would probably do whatever it takes to get yeah. this. Like that would bolster their first party lineup game pass, all of that to oh my such an extent that it would be absolutely ridiculous. But at some point you really do need to look at the nuts and bolts and dollars and be like, does that make sense at all to, to put out $4 billion of investment to then mm-hmm. take on all of that and need to uh, pay to have that infrastructure going forward to take on all of those new studios. Like that's a, that's a heavy undertaking that, it's not just like, a, oh, who's going to buy it because they have the money and it's, you know, it's available. It's like there's so much that goes into it that I'm not sure anybody's necessarily ready for right now. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's the interesting thing on the on the Microsoft side specifically, because I'm sure there are conversations going on between the Xbox team and like the the, the higher heads at Microsoft going like, hey, we know $4 billion is a lot of money, but like and we know we're probably going to lose money on this in some regard but what this would do for our library is insane like what this would do for our library is bigger than like you know the, the dollars and cents sense of it all like we need mm-hmm. to be able to buy rocksteady we need to we need to buy netherrealm like that that could be such a big move for them but Dude. yeah like at oh. a certain point like i'm sure i'm i'm sure those conversations are definitely happening i wonder how I'm, i wonder if those conversations are like continuing and, ma- and making progress in a way to where it's a reality like that's that's where i think things might get might might stop is people at people at the top going like hey like we hear you but you know it just doesn't seem worth it from a dollars and cents stance honestly i i that's where 
I would want them to be the most. Like I would be most excited if we wake up tomorrow and it was Microsoft buys WB games. Because mm-hmm. to me, that gives them the exclusives that we've been saying they need so desperately. You know what I'm talking about? Like that all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, if they're exclusive there and they're being built for the Xbox ecosystem, like that's some baller shit. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll we'll have to just, you know, keep our eyes on this because I have a feeling it's not going to be as simple as, oh, in a couple of weeks, we're going to figure this out and, and have it done. Like, I think that there's going to be a lot of back and forth and figuring things out similar mm-hmm. to the whole Fox sale to Disney. Yeah. Like there's just like a lot that that kind of needs to take place before we see the fruits of it all. Yeah. Kriduki writes in to patreon.com slash kind of funny games, just like you can and says, happy Monday, KFGD. Friday, the news dropped that WB was looking to sell their games division. Could this be a contributing factor to why we don't have a Batman game yet? Could could the absence of a Batman game be a sign of why WB WB wants to sell in the first place? Thanks for your input. Have a great week. That's I don't an interesting think question. So. Yeah, a I don't Batman think so. game exists. Like that's it, I, it exists. It has to exist. Like yeah, they've they've started promoting it. Like if they hadn't started promoting it, there'd be that question of like, oh, is it actually where is it at? No, this game exists. This has to be real. So I don't yeah. think that it's that. I think that it is like I was saying earlier. Just WB has a lot of cooks in the kitchen at this point, and I think that they're trying to figure out their best foot forward um, in this new world of the streaming wars. Yeah, like I think I, I I think right now we're at a place where things are progressing so rapidly for a company like WB as far as like streaming, as far as like what they want to be as an entertainment company, and as far as like COVID nineteen and, and what that means for the profitab- profitability for uh their different entertainment divisions. Like I think at a certain point, and I think this was from the original report from um AT or not AT um. Uh, I saw this, I think I originally saw this on Twitter from like, it was like Cheddar News or something like that. Um, but they mentioned how the market has changed uh, because of things like COVID-19 uh, mm-hmm. to where this game's division isn't necessarily a thing that uh, is as valuable to them, like in in 2020, um, which like, you know, I I think that's just a case of how rapidly things move nowadays. And I don't necessarily think the Batman game is a reflection, or us not seeing the Batman game is a reflection of that. I assume we're going to see the Batman game probably in a couple weeks, within the next few weeks, hopefully. Dude. And I know we keep saying this, but like it never happens. Yeah, but exactly. at this point, like it's the WB is on that uh, um, um, Jeff Keighley phase yeah. one graphic. Like we know that that whatever they have, they have to announce this summer or they they want to announce this summer. And so yeah. you imagine that stuff is imminent. You imagine they want to announce it. You imagine that like they have something coming out this fall, you would think. And so let me say we'll something crazy here. to you, Bless. It's not going to happen. But can you imagine if NetherRealm and TT Games and all these guys become part of PlayStation Studios? Dude, it's... <laughs> That would be the most OP, like, nah, don't do it to him. Don't do it to him. Yeah, no, that would be ridiculous. Can you imagine like, the, the shots of all the characters and shit, and then there's Spider-Man and Batman? That would make that would not make that that'd be hilarious. That, that'd be that'd be one of those ones where like you you see it happening and you're like, all right, what ritual happened to like <laughs> like what god did somebody kill in order to make this happen? Um but yeah, I don't think I don't think that's gonna happen just because like 
I think I think there's the, the dollars and cents there just don't add up in terms yeah, of where Sony is at, how successful their their first party is, and how much they don't need to spend in order to to bolster that up. Mm-hmm. Um, but that would be such like a a big dick moment for the for them to come out. Like let's say at the launch of the PS5 and be like, by the way, we bought we brought on four new studios, and you're familiar with them. It's NetherRealm, it's WB Games Montreal, God, it's Rocksteady. Like, what what announcement that would be? But that all that almost be too much. That almost be too much. Story number two, Tim. Mm-hmm. Xbox has clarified how exactly smart delivery works. This has been an ongoing conversation on Kind of Funny Games Daily as far as what smart delivery is, why it matters, and all these things. And let me tell you, one, they put out a huge blog post. I'm going to read the whole thing uh, just because, like, I think all this context helps for us talking about it. And apparently, we got a is. lot of dum dums. <laughs> but then also, I'm talking I've about never us, been... by the way. Well, I've never been wrong about. It. Well, let me not say never. I have been wrong about this, but oh, I'm going to say, for here the most part, what they see here in this blog post, I've been spot on about. I've been comparing it to Crossby, and it's I just Crossby. I don't understand Was where Frank the confusion right? can possibly be here. I'm just There's saying. There's no confusion. This is so straightforward. But okay, let's let's read this and see how straightforward it could possibly be. Again, this is from a blog post from Xbox. They write, "One of the most exciting of the technologies we're introducing with." Xbox Series X is smart delivery, which will ensure that you always play the best version of the games you own for your console across generations. This technology is this technology is available for all developers, all Xbox Game Studios titles that are optimized for Xbox Series X, including Halo Infinite, will support smart delivery. That means if you purchase the Xbox the Xbox One version of a supported title, you will deliver the best version of it to your Xbox One as usual. If you decide to jump into the next into the next generation with Xbox Series X, we'll pro- we'll automatically provide the Xbox Series X version of the game at no additional cost when it becomes available. You won't need to do anything in terms of choosing a version to, to download. We'll take care of all that, and it's not just limited to the games that you purchase digitally. Physical discs of Xbox games can also support smart delivery if the developer or publisher decides to implement it. Below are a few are a few scenarios, a uh, few different scenarios in which smart delivery will work across generations with the games and consoles you own now uh, and those you may own in the future. Smart delivery will ensure that only the best version of the game will be installed on your hard drive, so you don't have to manage your storage space. If you own Gears Five uh, or are loving it via Xbox Game Pass now, you can play it today on Xbox One. Then, if you pick up an Xbox Series X this holiday. All it takes is a push of a button to download it, to download it, and you'll have the optimized version of Gears 5 available on day one at launch with the console at your fingertips. When Halo Infinite launches alongside Xbox Series X and Xbox One this holiday, you only have to buy the game once and you'll get the best version for whichever console you own, or both. Uh, if you pick up Xbox Series X for your living room, Smart Delivery will, will recognize that and deliver, deliver you the optimized version there. If you decide to move your existing Xbox One to a bedroom or the office, Smart Delivery will recognize that too and deliver deliver that version when you're playing on Xbox One. Lastly, uh, some new and existing Xbox One titles will be optimized will be optimizing their games uh, after the Xbox Series X launches. For example, if you buy Cyberpunk 2077 when it launches on September 17th, you'll be set to explore Night City on Xbox One. If you pick up Xbox Series X at launch this holiday, you can play it there. You can play it there too in compatibility mode, picking up exactly where you left off. Then, when CD Projekt Red delivers 
delivers an Xbox Series X optimized version of Cyberpunk 2077, you'll automatically get upgraded once it's once it's available at no additional cost. Uh, we're also happy to confirm that, X, that smart delivery will be enabled for Xbox Game Pass titles that leverage it. Outside of our Xbox Game Studios titles, uh, it'll it'll be up to individual it'll, it'll be up to the individual developer to determine whether they take advantage of smart delivery. As was the case with our back, our current backwards compatible titles, you won't have to worry about losing any progress either. Thanks to our commit, commitment to compatibility across generations, you can be assured that when you purchase a game on Xbox One today, your game library, progression, and entire gaming legacy moves forward with you if you jump into the next generation with Xbox Series X. But what about the games? Below, you'll find an initial list of new and existing titles that will be optimized for Xbox Series X and confirmed to support smart delivery. Please note, this is in addition to the thousands of games you'll be, you'll be able to bring with you to Xbox Series X via back, back compatibility on day one. I like that they're calling it back compatibility instead of backwards compatibility. Yeah. On day one. As this list grows in the weeks and months leading up to the Xbox Series X launch, we'll keep it updated to reflect any addition to reflect any additions. The games are that, and these are the smart delivery games that are confirmed so far: Halo Infinite, Cyberpunk 2077, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Destiny 2, Dirt 5, Scarlet Nexus, Chorus, Vampire the Masquerade, Bloodlines 2, Yakuza Like a Dragon, The Ascent, Call of the Sea, Gears 5, Second Extin- Extinction, and Metal Hellslinger. We hope this gives you a better idea of what we've got planned for smart delivery and how this new technology will ensure that the player is at the center of the gaming experience. We'll be sharing more smart delivery uh, and adding titles uh, to the list above in the coming months. Tim, does this all make sense to you? Yes, it does. You know what makes even more sense? The tweet that that Xbox did. Full checklist on how to unlock all the great advantages of smart delivery. Step one, purchase your game once. Step two, automatically get the best version on your Xbox of choice. Step three, that's it. This All I'm saying is this is also what I've been saying forever as far as like how smart delivery is going to work. Yeah, because what else would it be? Doesn't matter. This is what it is. Let's all get on the same page. I, I will say I want to correct myself from an earlier episode because I think one of the things I was saying that was diluting it a bit was I was saying that uh, this would work for, I think, definitive editions or remasters, which isn't necessarily the case. It's just like it's it's the difference between an Xbox Series X version of an Xbox One game versus like a definitive version. Like, and I want to give an example, but I'm afraid I'm going to complicate things more. But GTA, let's say GTA 5 comes out, right? And GTA 5 on Xbox One is GTA 5, uh, let's say it's GTA 5, the, the definitive edition with a bunch of perks and all this different stuff. That wouldn't necessarily be the smart delivered game. It would just be the GTA 5 version on Xbox Series X. If they if they release like a, a base GTA 5 on Xbox Series X, that would be smart deliver- delivery, if that makes sense. That's the one thing I want to correct for myself. I know, I, I know that itself is confusing, but put it out there as far as like what we'll i've gotten wrong see. about this we'll have but yeah to we'll have to see i'm gonna leave that there because i don't want a bunch of comments and a bunch of reddit posts and a bunch of dms about smart delivery so story number three star wars squadrons has been officially revealed this is joe scrubbles at ign ea has formally announced star wars squadrons a first person space dogfighting game set after the events of return of the jedi and coming to ps4 xbox one and pc it'll be released for 40 dollars it's 39.99 on October 2nd. Developed by Motive Studios, the game will include both a single-player story and multiplayer modes with cross-play support across all platforms and can be played in VR on PS4 and PC. 
EA will, will, will premiere gameplay at EA Play Live on June 18th, which you can watch as part of IGN Summer of Gaming. Multiplayer will take uh, the form of 5v5 battles with two modes announced, Fleet Battles, which will task each team with destroying the opposing team's flagship, while Dogfights will simply ask each team to destroy as many opponents as possible. Locations will be known, locations will be known and unknown with Yavin Prime uh, and the Shattered Moon of Galaton, Tim? Galaton. I don't know. Galaton, I don't know. Galaton. <laughs> Galaton um, uh, announced so far. Uh, the announcement press release makes clear that squadron composition will be important, implying multiple ship classes to experiment with. Uh, EA also confirmed that while Star Wars Squadron will include cosmetic and gameplay-related customization, all upgrades will be earned solely through playing the game. Tim, I know you and Barrett did your live reaction to Star Wars Squadron that's up right now on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, uh, and I watched it, uh, and it seems like it, I mean, it seems like a Squadron's game. It seems like a dogfighting game. It does, yeah. You know, first person, uh, fully VR compatible on PlayStation. That's pretty cool. The VR stuff in, in Battlefront was was fun for the mission that they had. Um, since then, this, we had some confirmation that uh, Walt Williams and Mitch Dyer are returning for the story, um, for the campaign on this. And I didn't love the campaign in, in Battlefront 2 because I, I really thought it was unfocused in the sense of... The cameos and, and everything felt really forced, and I feel like they they made a very messy story, um, especially compared to what we were shown. I think this gives us a bit more option to have more of a self-contained story that I'm excited to see from them, especially with mm -hmm. the $40 price point and uh, what they're kind of presenting this game as. Like, I feel like there's less weight on the single-player campaign of it all, but that... Yeah. It's kind of exciting to me. Like, I feel like this is one of those things where I don't necessarily think I would have ever asked for this. Um, but I'm happy that it's happening now. Like, I was saying this to Barrett before uh, we started recording. Like, I feel like there's this level of Star Wars games where we have these giant prestige titles. But my favorite Star Wars games were when there was 10 of them coming out a year on the PlayStation 2. Honestly, and yeah. You'd find some fun here, some fun there. Because Star Wars, at this point especially, it means something different to everybody. And there's fun to be had in so many different ways, whether it's like deep narrative lore stuff or it's a lot more action based or it's you're in space. And I feel like there's the different corners that they can kind of have fun with. And hey, I was never I was too young to really play the X-Wing TIE Fighter games on PC. Um, and then I love the Jedi Starfighter games of Rogue Squadron was like great, but not necessarily my jam. Um, this, I feel like, is something that I am interested in. And that's all that I really needed to be. Yeah, I'm I'm at that same place, right? Like I'm I'm interested. I'm withholding really any judgment until I see gameplay because I think that's going to speak volumes in terms of what the what this game is going to be when it comes out uh, in fall. But like it sounds cool. The 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 cinematic trailer looked cool. I'm I'm down with the with the vibe and tone of it. Um it taking place after Return of the Jedi, like, you know, that seems cool. Um and like overall like a 5v5 dogfighting game sounds like fun to me. The $40 price point uh, is interesting. And that's I think that's going to be a thing that I'm able to sit, uh, I'm able to make a better judgment on when I see the gameplay. Um, because part of me thinks, part of me is actually wondering why they didn't go the free-to-play route, if this is going to be a, a more budget game. Because you imagine that they could have gotten away with with going like doing the apex legends thing of being like hey this game's out uh it's star wars dogfighting and it's free anybody can play it and they make their their money off of uh microtransactions in in loot boxes and stuff i feel like that's not what they want from this though like i, I feel like they have apex right that that is that i feel like mm -hmm. this the, especially with it having the campaign and it having the same it seems same type of campaign as battlefront 2 had 
Um, I think that they're trying to get Battlefront 2 type sales from this. Like they're trying to put out a Star Wars game, even if it is a little a little cheaper. They want to get that money for it. Um, and they're putting that money, hopefully, into, you know, everything. Because the one thing you can't take away from Battlefront and Battlefront 2 is the presentation. The graphics oh, yeah. are gorgeous. And Beautiful. everything feels Star Wars. The sound is oh, impeccable, right? Mm-hmm. So you take all that and add it to a dogfight Star Wars game, which we've already seen bits and pieces of in Battlefront 2. Um, so if they kind of just expand yeah. that and w- even from the trailer, like we're seeing things of them, like in the cockpit, like messing with power supplies and all that stuff, like if they make it a bit more of a, not too hardcore of a sim, like, but not too arcadey, if there's somewhere yeah. in the middle, I think that this could be like a, a, a cool, fun game. And I think that as long as they can justify that $40 price point for single player gamers, I think that this could be a really good bargain. Uh, but I think that that's where the free to play thing kind of kind of falls apart. Where I wonder what type of legs this thing's going to have for multiplayer yeah. years down the line. Free to play games, I feel like you need to have a at this point in 2020, you need to have at least a three year plan. Yeah, you have to have or legs, else, or else it's not worth it. You're not going to yeah. make your money that way. And I imagine also like coming off of Battlefront 2 and the release release of that game, <clears throat> you don't necessarily want microtransactions to be the focus of a Star Wars game because that fucked up the Battlefront 2 launch in a way that like made ripples in the industry and so if you're coming out with a with a star wars game i imagine that like especially especially from the the star wars side and the disney side they're probably like hey no microtransactions in this game like no you're not doing that with any of our games anymore mm-hmm. um and so i from that even even from that perspective i kind of understand why they would go for a premium a premium game as opposed to uh going the free-to-play route but yeah the 40 dollars thing is the, is the main thing that that piques my interest in again like this seems like a smaller more contained game um if it if it comes out and it, and it and it feels like it um it's worth the price of admission then i think it's a, it's a success and so i'm looking forward to it i'm looking forward to it. uh tim did you play the the battlefront 2 game on ps2 of course do you remember the space battles yeah those space battles were awesome just as like They're an awesome. awesome i fucking love yeah, those space no, battles totally. I was obsessed like, with those. Going back to it, just man, like remember the time when we had we had Battlefront, we also had uh Starfighter or yes, Jedi Starfighter, we had uh Bounty Hunter, we oh, had Bounty Hunter, episode yeah. Racer, episode three, racer, right, one racer, yeah. Dude, it was just like they were just pumping these things out. And this leading into the force unleashed of the world. It was just like, yep. man, Star Wars games used to just mean whatever. And that was awesome. Dude, never forget the Star Wars Demolition, which is a game that I feel like whenever I bring it up. People people aren't aware of like the ridiculousness and the awesomeness of Star Wars Demolition, but it was, it was like twisted, metal. twisted Metal. Yeah, with, yes, I remember the twisted cover metal of with it. Star Wars. Oh my <laughs> god, that thing was awesome. Oh, they got weird. Speaking of awesome, story number four is our last new story of the day. Uh, Niantic is promoting 1,000 small businesses in Pokemon Go for free for a year. This is Rebecca Valentine at GamesIndustry.biz. Niantic has announced it will be offering 1,000 small and locally owned businesses a year, uh, a year of free free promotion. Uh, in Pokemon Go as in-game locations through a new new local business recovery initiative. The offer extends to businesses in the U.S., Japan, Great Britain, Canada, and Mexico, with businesses selected appearing in the game as a Pokestop or gym. To be included, businesses, businesses must be nominated by players during a period beginning today and ending July 31st, with Very each cool. player being able to submit one location. Quote, we're looking for a diverse set of local family-owned shops that ideally have under 10 employees or just a few lo- few locations, said Niantic Civic and Social Impact Senior uh, senior Manager Yeni Solheim. Businesses that receive the promotion will be able to uh, to wait 
to activate it until they're able to reopen safely in light of the current pandemic and can use the tools to run in-game campaigns such as raid battles with the intent that the in-game promotion will help those impacted those impacted drive uh, drive traffic and recover. Niantic expects to be able to begin onboarding selected businesses as early as September with plans for flexibility as the situation surrounding COVID-19 develops. This is like a really cool thing. Like mm-hmm. Pokemon Go allowing for small businesses to like make themselves uh, Pokestops to get to get that promotion to like keep themselves afloat is a very unexpected way for I think video games to to be involved in the good fight. And so yeah. like shout out to them. That's really awesome. If you were to tell me that we'd be talking about Pokemon Go in any way, shape, or form in 2020, I would have never believed you. But here we are. They're still going strong, making good moves, using their their platform for good. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Tim, I can't mm-hmm. wait wait to see the different ways in which video games are able to use their platforms for good. But the future is so far away. <laughs> if I want to know what games are coming out to mom and drop shops today, where would I look? The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily Show host each and every weekday. Whoa, Kevin's. Yeah, I was going to say you sound like Ken Kinnit from Connecticut. Out today, we got Robot Island for PC and Mac. Pac or Pac? It's probably Pac because they're probably not talking about Tupac. Pac in the Tubbling Seed Box for PC and Mac. Squark, a nutty adventure for PC. Barn Finders for PC. Oik for three or oik 3d for pc grifflins for pc lithium city for pc and persona 4 golden for steam wow uh new dates and also that persona 4 golden thing is wild it's like wild. let me just say that again that's wild and i forgot if i forget if this is a pre-show thing or if i said this at the beginning of the show but greg miller revealing it and me not realizing that he was revealing it wild yeah <laughs> because when he, i love it for context right this is a pc game show that happened right after gorilla collective day one on saturday and so like i, I tuned into pc gamer and it opened up um or didn't i don't think it opened with greg but greg was there early on in the show and he 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 appeared in the studio and he was like and i'm i'm what's up everybody it's greg miller from a gorilla collective blah 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 kind of funny blah blah blah. i'm greg miller all that stuff and then he's like i'm here because i'm going to reveal a game for the pc gamer showcase show and he he like pointed to the jingle like the jingle played from persona 4 and in that moment i felt so many feelings tim i felt betrayal (laughs) i felt excitement for people that are finally gonna be able to play persona 4 golden i felt once more betrayal because i did not know this is happening I love um, it. but also like i was surprised and so like shout out to that that's a really cool thing um but yeah persona 4 golden uh one of the greatest games ever made is available on all pc right now for you to play and it looks even better somehow new dates star wars squadrons is launching on october 2nd on ps4 xbox one and pc jump force deluxe edition is coming to nintendo switch on august 28th Remothered Broken Porcelain is set to haunt your screens August 25th on Xbox One, PS4, PC, and Nintendo Switch. And Azure Striker Gunvolt 2 hits Steam on June 22nd. Deal of the day, Twitch Prime members can now claim bonus free games, Dream Daddy, and PictoQuest, while two additional free games will be available over the next two weeks. On Friday, June 19th, Mad Tracks will be available uh, via Twitch Prime. And then on Friday, June 26th, Reyes is available on twitch prime you get those again with twitch prime and remember if you have amazon prime you have twitch prime it gives you uh, these games and a free twitch sub to give out it really helps us so we'd love if you gave that twi- that free twitch sub to us remember it doesn't auto renew so you got to do that manually each time now it's time for reader mail you can write into patreon.com slash kind of funny games where you can th- get the show ad free and speaking of ads this episode of kind of funny games daily is brought to you by 
patreon.com slash kind of funny games. Of course, your support means the world to kind of funny because of you, the audience. Kind of funny is able to do cool things like launch a new studio, have full last playthroughs with Nick Scarpino, have awesome guest weeks on kind of funny games daily, launch shows like the return of PSLW XOXO, and more. You can head to patreon.com slash kind of funny games if you want to support kind of funny games daily and all the content we produce on this side of kind of funny. And you can gain special perks like exclusive content, becoming a Patreon producer, and more. Once again, just go to patreon.com slash games to support the show and learn more about what we have to offer. Isn't that right, Tim? That is damn right. You got to love it. You got to, you just got to see it to believe it, man. Would you believe there's a post show after every Games Daily and Gamescast? That is hours of content a week. So much content. Exclusive to patreon.com. That's so, and if you think about it this games. way, right? Like each post show is about 10 minutes long, kind of funny games daily. Mm-hmm. Five days a week, that's 50 minutes of post show. That's a whole that show, Tim. That's yeah. a whole show. You're missing a whole a show. Week. And every week, the, you're missing the, a whole the show. The post show is when we get nutty. The post well, show is when I let loose. Crazy articles and we, we talk shit. There's a lot of shit talk. In, Dude, in I, say, I, I, I say curse words in the post show. It's wild. It's, it's crazy out there, man. Bad boy. I said fuck one time. It was oh my awesome. God. Oh my God. Uh, Tim Geddes, are you ready for, for questions? Are you ready for reader mail? I am. Let's get to the mail. Billy the Door writes in and says, Hey, gang, there have been some tweets going around saying the Last of Us 2 review embargo was unfairly restrictive. Do you guys agree? Also, in general, what do you think is fair in terms of what can and what can't be embargoed? Thanks, Billy the Door. You know, this has been a very interesting thing, and I would love to actually have a deeper conversation um, with with more of us uh, involved, maybe on mm-hmm. Gamescast. Maybe during the spoiler cast, we'll have a little a section about yeah. this. Because personally... I feel like the review embargoes are designed based on the content itself and and making sure that it's not ruining the experience for the intended audience of the review, which is the consumers that want to know if the game is for them or not. And to me, with a game that's as narrative focused as Last of Us, there should be a lot of restrictions. Um, It's kind of like reviewing a movie. There's a lot of restrictions on what can and can't be talked about. Uh, because it can significantly impair your enjoyment of the the content if you have certain things ruined for you. And I feel like that was on my side. My bad. Oh, okay. Um, for a second, I yeah. was like, what is happening? And it was, it was a motorcycle. It might be, it might be attacked. Um, but it was yeah, an attack it, helicopter outside my window. It'd be like, you know, when you read a review of Avengers, it's they're not telling you, like, all the plot beats. Right, yeah. you, you're usually allowed to talk up to a point, and that feels fair. Like things based on the marketing materials that we'd already seen. It's like, okay, that's all fair game, but otherwise, I don't know. I feel like it's always one of those things where you don't know until you do. Like reading the reviews yeah. until you, without playing it, you feel like you're being like held back. But then once you play it, you're like, oh, I get why they didn't allow that. That makes sense to me, you know. Yeah, and I'm, and I understand that it's difficult for reviewers to, specifically reviewers that don't like decisions made, to review the game without being able to talk about what they didn't like. But in my opinion, that's on them to figure out a way to come up with how to express their feelings. Yeah, and I I, I think I'm in that that same boat because for me, the the critiques and like the things that I don't necessarily love about the Last of Us Part Two do have to deal with things that are more story focused or it things that are that that do change as the game 
progresses like later on. And that's that's the thing that I can't like it makes it difficult to talk about the game, but there are also things that I wouldn't bring up in our initial review anyway, because all that stuff is pretty spoilery. Um, and so like in terms of do I think the review embargo is, is unfairly restricted restrictive? I think it is very restrictive. I don't know if it's unfairly restrictive because from what I read of the embargo, like all the restrictions there seem to have dealt with, seem to deal with story events and the way the game changes with story events. And that's stuff that I don't think you necessarily need for a product review. And I, and I think, I think that's where this, this conversation kind of gets interesting because for me, when I think of day one reviews, right. Or like embargoed reviews, right. Like the reviews that are coming out a week before the last was two com- is coming out as a game. I don't necessarily think you need super deep, critical deep dives before that embargo. I think the purpose of reviews that are com- like, I-, I think the purpose of that first wave of reviews should be product reviews. I think they should be re- reviews that are touching on, Hey, like as, as a consumer, is this a game that I should buy or not? Like, is this, is this a game that is worth my money? Is this a game that I'm going to enjoy? What is like, what exactly can I expect to get out of this game? I think that is enough for that initial wave of reviews. And I think, I think come Friday when the game's actually out and like the weeks to come, I think that's when you should see more deep dives, more op-eds, more think pieces, more like more um, uh, analysis in terms of what happened in the game. How do we really feel about all these things? And I think the, I think those are things you can talk about in your initial reviews. But like to the point of the the embargo res- restrictions, I don't necessarily think you need to do like the super spoilerific deep dives in that first wave. And I don't mm-hmm. I don't think like I don't think you know having those restrictions in the in the first wave necessarily limit you from making a, re- a review later or doing a deep dive later or holding a review until the game comes out. And being able or to doing fully what express that stuff most later. people do now and do review in progress, where it's like, yeah, I, I feel like like this is something that has so many solutions that is on the reviewer's end of hey, if you don't like this, say that in your review. Say, hey, I feel like I was limited with what I can say. Come back in a week when I'm allowed to give my full thoughts and like give the rest of your thoughts there, and then you know, just put like updating and put a date on when it's updating all that stuff like just be yeah. transparent about it all and like and honestly I, I like the way that GameSpot did it because GameSpot is doing that exact thing right like GameSpot did their initial review where Kelly reviewed it gave it an eight and talked about at the beginning of the review she mentioned that like hey there are restrictions on this review and I can't say certain things we I I will be uploading um or I guess uh writing a a more deep dive review on launch date so you can totally understand fair. my full thoughts with context and i think that's the way to do it like i th- I, I honestly think that like that is a great like i think that's a, a great case scenario on the side of the revere and the audience right mm-hmm. especially as as an audience that doesn't necessarily want to know all of the the details of the story yet but also an audience that wants to know your honest feelings on a thing and as a reviewer that wants to express your honest feelings on a thing right like being having those two waves of hey Here's my initial impressions. I'm not getting into spoilers, but I'm going to very vaguely tell you wh- how I feel about this thing and why I feel this way. Uh, and then later on, like we're going to have the real, co- real conversation about how I feel about specific details of things that happened. Like I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a lose situation, really. Yeah, and I will say, you know, having been a part of many embargoed reviews at this point in my life, I feel like the Last of Us review embargo, like restrictions, weren't that insane. Like, I feel like even this year, there's been multiple cases where we're going into re- do a review on Gamescast. And before we go live, we all talk to each other. It's like, hey, okay, let's look over the embargo. Let's make sure we know what we can and can't say. And there's been some that are super confusing where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, man, like, 
you can mention this, but like even with Doom, um, there was like a bunch of random specific things we couldn't mention. And like that got kind of complicated. Final Fantasy VII also had some little things where it's like, oh, we got to keep that in mind that that seems like a bizarre thing for us not to be able to mention. Whereas with this, I think this was the most simple review embargoes that we've had together, bless, where it's just kind of like yeah. we looked at it. It's like, oh, cool. It's really clear what we shouldn't talk yeah. about. It's, I understand it's why not. It's stuff that we wouldn't have talked about anyway. In and our that's, that to me is the biggest thing is that it is stuff that we would have not specifically talked about, even if they told us not to. Like, yeah. Even because if they we didn't don't tell us not to. Because we're not trying to spoil it. And we still would do our review. And we still talked about it for an hour reviewing it <laughs> and giving our yeah. thoughts and able, like talking about all those things without giving them away. Jeffrey P. Long writes in and says, Hey, Blessing and Tim, nice clothes, which. <laughs> I, I, I like that they're including that in there as if they're watching this live. Uh, the Gorilla Collector Showcase <clears throat> excuse me, happened over the weekend. There were so many games shown and demoed. I'm just wondering if there, are t- if there are one or two games that stood out, especially to you guys. Personally, I'm partial to Skate Story, but what spoke to you guys? Uh, I have plenty of games from the Gorilla Collective Showcase that I, I, I really dug. Uh, and Kevin, I have like a bunch of links here that I want to uh, highlight. Yeah. Uh, first one of those, actually, I want to highlight Skate Story because Skate Story looks super cool. Um, it's basically a skate game, but it's super stylish. Um, ha- looks more linear than something like skate. Um, but yeah, Kevin, if you, if you could bring it up. Yeah, I'm sorry. Two seconds. My mouse is fighting back. Gotcha. I, dude, I hate it when the mouse, <laughs> the mice fight back, you know? Yeah. Ratatouille. Um, but yeah, like skate story looks super cool. Sorry. I actually haven't seen Ratatouille, so I don't yeah, know if the, the no, mouse fight back. The mouse does not, not fight back. <laughs> no? <laughs> Was the mouse not the bad guy in Ratatouille? We'll, we'll have to wait for Ratatouille for that one. Oh, snap. Snap. Tim, did you catch the Gorilla Collector? Were there any games that... I tuned in a little bit. Uh, the one that I loved was the Paradise. Paradise oh, yeah. Paradise Killer. Killer. Paradise yeah. Killer. Yeah. Where it was... Uh, um, I just love the style of it. I love the colors. I love the just the bold outline colors of everything. And the logo is sick. So, yeah. Kevin's showing Skate Story here. And it's basically like, um, oh, it just changed. I, sorry, I, I switched over to Paradise Killer. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, show, show Paradise Killer. Can they hear the, the, yeah. the gameplay trailer? Yeah. Okay, because I love the music that's in the gameplay trailer. But yeah, Paradise Killer is essentially like if, like this first-person uh, adventure game where you're exploring and, and you're trying to figure out who the killer is and you're talking to people. Super stylish. Um, Can I get to the end of it real quick? I love the little dies. thing. It reminds me of Halo 2. But yeah, look at that logo. Like, has there ever yeah. been a cool logo no it hasn't. reminds me of a mixture between like it has like the music of a persona 4 but then also some of the some of the style of uh no more heroes like it has that mm-hmm. kind of vibe going with it looks really cool um kev can you go back to skate story because i want to i want to um uh show that off a bit too because like basically that looked like skate if skate had platforming challenges mm-hmm. which is the thing that kind of vibe vibe with me a lot it looks it looks super cool that uh, we've seen this before. I'm not sure where, but here, um, here it is. I just love the idea of them, them being like, let's do something weird with skateboarding. Let's not just do yeah. the traditional shit. Like, look at this. Like, you're basically doing these platforming challenges with the, the controls to skate and like with a with a super awesome style. Yeah. So Real that cool looks super stuff. cool. Uh, I also want to touch on Calico, which is a game. This is super super the super cute, super like um uh like fun looking cat uh cat game where you're running a cat cafe uh it has like watercolor colors to it yeah look at this very very cute art style 
very kind of chill vibes to go. it. Apparently, yeah. you're a witch because you're riding a broom, and there's cats everywhere. And at a certain point in the trailer, you're riding a cat, which is pretty Dude, fun. Dude, cats are the freaking thing of the year, man. I swear to God. I remember in like 2013, every video game had a bow and arrow. Here we are. Every game, cat, cat. Every cat, game cat. has a cat, um, which is actually like it's messing me up on my predictions for the year because uh, on kind of funny games daily, right before the the, the PlayStation, the PS5 uh, gameplay showcase, me and Greg did did our predictions, and I think one of the questions was how many dogs and how many cats do you think is going to be there? And yeah. I was on the side of we'll see at least four dogs, we'll see no cats, and so far zero dogs, a bunch of cats, just a bunch of cats everywhere, uh, mm. which is the worst. But, well, not the worst, but, like, bad for my prediction. It's actually been pleasant seeing all these cats. The last game I want to touch on is West of Dead, uh, which is a game that's coming out very soon, like, within the next week soon. And it's basically a, a twin-stick shooter um, coming out of, I think, Raw Fury. Yeah. That's yeah, it's Raw Fury. Yeah. This one looks awesome. Yeah, it looks super cool. Uh, this, like, Sick character again, super stylish. Yeah, Raw Fury. Super stylish uh, art style. Uh, dark colors. You're playing as, like, this, this skull man who's voiced by Ron Perlman. Uh, actually, I don't know if he's voiced by Ron Perlman, but Ron Perlman is, like, the main voice. So I assume it's him. Um, but, yeah, you're going through twin stick shooting, uh, slowing down time, doing all this dope stuff. But, yeah, those are my, those are my, my four favorite games from the showcases this weekend. And I can't wait to catch up today to see if I miss anything because, like, you know, like catching up on all the showcases uh, over the weekend, it's been interesting to see that, like, one, there have been more showcases than I thought there were going to be. Like, oh, yeah. I didn't realize PC PC Gamer was doing their thing on Saturday, along with the Future Game Showcase, which I think was hosted by Nolan North, which I didn't realize was happening. Um, and so, yeah, catching up on all that, all that stuff and seeing all the different games has been such a such a cool thing. Now it's time to squat up. Toilet Toads writes in with a squad up on Discord. It says, Quarantine has me missing Magic the Gathering, but I recently learned about a site called SpellTable.com that lets you play paper uh, MTG remotely. If any KFBFs want to play some games, Commander, or any other format, I've started a Discord server called Kind of Funny Commander. Um, the link will be in the description for the YouTube video, um, but you can add Toilet Toads on Discord with Toilet Toads hashtag or pound whatever 2134 that's toilet toads number 2134 and toilet and t the two t's in toilet toads are capitalized the first t in and toilet there, and there the first is an t s it is and there is an s there toilet are more than one toads toad. in the toilet toilet toads now it's time for kind of funny.com slash you're wrong uh where you let us know what we got wrong as we got it wrong uh tommy boy says gorilla collective streams are available on ign's youtube Cool. Barrett says, a uh, reminder that this isn't a decision uh, from WB. AT&T is deciding to sell the games division along with a bunch of other things likely to get out, get out of crazy, likely to get out of crazy debt that has grown since their acquisition of WB a few years ago. That's an important thing to know because I think I was talking about their um, WB as an entertainment company, but AT&T is the one. Well, technically um, it's, it's Warner. So Warner Media. That is true. Uh... Let's see. Oh my god. Of course there's more smart delivery stuff in here. Uh it's the name of all just so I'm I'm gonna read it just just to let it slide. But bless or uh Nano says 
bless you say smart delivery is cross buy. While cross buy is part of it, smart delivery is a blanket term. It includes cross save, cross progression, cross generation, etc. Plus, you aren't buying an Xbox One version of a game and getting the Series X game for free like cross buy. You are just buying the game and downloading the correct graphics package for the system you choose to download the game to. And I will state that that was not said anywhere. That was not said. They said versions in the thing, and that's all. That's that's also the argument that me and Greg have back and forth because Greg is also on the side of you're getting all the assets. I'm not necessarily, necessarily convinced that it's purely an assets thing because there's more that goes into an Xbox Series X game than the assets. Uh, there's, there's. I'm with you on that, bless. Yeah, like and, I, and I that see is it as where great. I will say no more. <laughs> I don't want to start this again. Um, Wait, so is Greg wrong? Listen, you know, I'm not going to think Greg's wrong. One thing or not. that is right. The one thing that is right is Xbox saying you buy the game once. You buy the you game have once. The game. You buy the that's game it. once. That's what matters. That's right. Everything else is semantics and doesn't necessarily matter. I think you're getting a new version of the game. Some people think that you're getting just the new assets. Does it matter? It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Let's not fight about it, people. Let's just let it go. Just let, let, it it go. go. let it go. Breathe. Uh, Kebab says the mice do, in fact, bind and get. Okay, well. <laughs> okay, well, he's, he's, he's talking about how in Ratatouille the, the, the mice did fight back at a certain point mm -hmm. I didn't watch Ratatouille so I can't, I can't confirm any of this but it sounds like the, the rats were the bad people Tomorrow or uh, this week's hosts are for Kind of Funny Games Daily uh, Tuesday, it's me and Emron Wednesday, Greg and Gary Thursday, Greg and me <clears throat> Friday, me and Greg of course this has been Kind of Funny uh, Games bless. Daily Each, what up? Just, just before you go the uh, food critic was the bad guy in Ratatouille. But do we know this though? No, we know this for a fact. Is that is that how you interpreted it? I mean, that's Tim's, art, Kevin. Tim's confirming. You art. know what I mean? Art I is subjective. Also, right just before I know you're about to close out. I just want to say Tim's <laughs> hair has been so blonde today. I fucking hate you. I wanted Dude, to I not make a big hair. deal about it, but I love Tim's hair on this episode. Thank you. It's big, it has an energy big week. On. Big hair for big week. Big week. Of course, this has been Kind of Funny Games Daily, each and every weekday live right here on twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. We have a Patreon post show for those that are subbed at the silver level of patreon.com slash Kind of Funny Games. So stick around for that. Otherwise, until next time, game daily. <laughs>